The New Testament scripture comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. And may God add light to the reading of this scripture. Amen. Before I preach a few uh, miscellaneous comments, the first is, I bring you greetings from the Hodels, Ray Hodel, who was close friends of the Tuckers, and I believe his wife, if I remember his wife's name right, Marnie. Uh, they were here with Exxon for many years, and I pastored them in Darien, Connecticut. Uh, they remember tremendous love and affection for this congregation. Okay, um, thank you, John Page. Uh, do, do you read the things that John writes in the uh, internet on the website? Um, I worked on a PhD in ethics at University of California, Berkeley, and John did a piece on uh, secular materialism versus Christian ethics, and I have to tell you, it was brilliant. And I say that as somebody who's in that field. Um, it was tremendous, and I, I bow to you, young man, <laughs> and wish I had your hair. <laughs> uh, I love John. He's a person of character, and he brings with him a wee bit of the East. I like the way in your website you show this windblown face of his with that hair puffed up. I asked him if he was a sailor, and he said, no, not really, because it looked to me, uh, I did a sabbatical and. Cape Cod, next to the Kennedys near Hyannis, and I swear to God, you look like one of the Kennedy kids. <laughs> he brings a bit of the East to a congregation. Um, it's always good to be here. Clear windows, clean, straight architectural lines. Uh, um, with due respect to my uh, ENR folks, of whom there's many in the conference. Congregational runs in my blood. Uh, I love it, and, and this, in a way, is like coming home. So thank you for the opportunity to be here. Uh, I, I kind of chuckle at your uh, opening piece. You know, we all are welcome here. That's a Marty Hagen, a Lutheran hymn, that for 10 years I went to highly conflicted large churches to try to get rid of the attorneys and get them back together. And started every service with that song. It's a beautiful song. So it's, once again, it's like coming home. Uh, but one of the things I said to a church that I pastored as the settled senior minister many years ago, multi-thousand members. I said, wherever you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Because we have really low standards. <laughs> I know the taste of my feet, and I knew them that day because they didn't think that was funny. Uh, but theologically, it is valid uh, because it's grace that pulls us to God. Not our qualifications, not our efforts, and not our product and our achievements. You know, 
This sermon is more in the nature of a testimony today. When you reach a certain age, inevitably I think you begin to find yourself coming full circle, seeking to make sense of it all. Just so you know, I'm one generation and five college degrees out of the coal mines of West Virginia. I am nothing but a hillbilly with an education, which is kind of interesting. Uh, In the summer of 1970, I had just graduated with honors from Harvard, Ovid, Arizona Western Junior College, the Harvard of Yuma. (laughs) I, along with my debate partner, uh, who is the managing partner for the largest law firm in Arizona, had won the state championship in debate and even dominated some of the West Coast. I want to tell you, I considered myself highly brilliant. Well, after graduation from junior college, I was off to the state of Washington to take my advanced degree back to work for my uncle on the farm, my uncle Gail's farm. He was the black sheep of the family. He wasn't religious. He wasn't easy to get along with. He was a five-foot-two-inch banny rooster. But he was my favorite uncle. And upon time to leave there, I was going to spend one night with my other uncle, who wasn't my favorite uncle, Uncle Givens. He was a soul-winning, soul-scout-grabbing, fundamentalist Christian. I only wanted one night with Uncle Givens. He was to give me a ride to the airport in Portland the next day, 60 miles away. As you can imagine, that night, that night at Uncle Givens, the topic of discussion soon turned to what? Religion. And boy, did I release my brilliance upon that hillbilly country bumpkin of an uncle. It lasted until 3 a.m. He attempted to take me down what is known as the Roman road to salvation. Well, that was a rocky road, four-wheel drive required. An amazing thing happened that night, though. At the age of 19, an agnostic verging on atheist became a Christian. Jerry Falwell would have, temporarily at least, been proud of me. I felt the weight lift from my body. I experienced euphoria. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it wasn't the rationalistic and formulaic event prescribed by the four spiritual laws in the 1970s from Campus Crusade. You know, you pray this prayer and you don't have to feel it. God has made you a part of God, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't that. It was a mystical experience that defied and continues to defy explanation. I've done James K. Fowler from Harvard. Uh, all through the developmental stages of of faith and and all of that. And there was nothing in my background that would put me where I'm at today. Absolutely nothing. But that night I experienced a loving, caring, inclusive God. Flying home to Yuma the very next day, reading the book of Luke, I experienced a call to ministry that has never left me. It was 19 years of age. I was 19 years of age. Uh, sisters and brothers, this, this is the binding grace of God. A grace that's so overpowering that it can use even broken down, beaten up, impaired vehicles to bring joy. How much joy does God have in store for us? 
Flash forward 29 years, because I want to tell you that grace doesn't mean the road will be easy. Uh, Flash forward 29 years, I'm at Andover Newton School of Religion finishing up a doctorate while lodging out on the Cape. I'm in a meditation class. I'm meditating three, four hours a day. One day in the midst of meditation, I'm suddenly overwhelmed with a sense of the deepest silence and peace that I've ever felt. I, I envision a shimmering orb within my chest. And there amid the sand and the wind and the sea, I experience absolute peace, absolute silence. And you know what? What fascinates me most, it was cut from the very same fabric as my fundamentalist conversion experience. I experience it as the grace of a smiling God. But grace itself doesn't make life easy. We humans have a hard road to hold. It's not enough to be Christian to just float in the current. The reality is that attempting to live as a Christian doesn't doesn't mean we have the luxury of treading water and floating downstream. The way of Christ is upstream and challenging and without attention and uh, we will float far away from God. Life's not easy. Forty-seven years ago, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I promised to follow without exception, to persevere despite temptation, failure, and even tragedy. Ten years after my conversion, at the age of 29, my wife Sally and I lost a son to SIDS, to crib death. We were in absolute despair as we returned home to our other three children. Ironically, we were visiting the very same uncle who had led me to Christ. And traveling from the state of Washington to the Bay Area, I heard a word from the Lord. Jason is okay. He's with me. Now, please understand, I still went through anger and depression and a lot of scotch. But folks, it was still grace. And it kept me in the ministry. It bound me to Jesus. Ten years later after that, 1990, I lost Sally, a wife I truly loved, to divorce. Quite common following the loss of a child. And in some ways, it was worse than losing Jason because I had no one to share it with. Fortunately, my theological mentor, James McClendon, invited me to his home in Kensington, California. Jim was a rarity. He was a professor of systematics theology at Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley who had inherited money. So he had this beautiful home overlooking all the bridges of the Bay Area. He invited me to stay in his home and house set while he and his wife went away for a while. And I have to tell you, staying there and peering out upon the Pacific in complete despair, I was ashamed. I didn't feel I belonged in the ministry. Reading Psalm 42, um, you know, deep calls unto deep. One morning at dawn, I felt the call of God again. And it was grace. And it kept me in the ministry. I did almost a year's worth of clinical pastor education, uh, found my way into the UCC in 1991, and I finally found a home. It was God's grace. In 1999, I became the senior minister of one of our largest UCC churches. Big staff, big paycheck, 
Big challenge. I loved it. It went well. It went very well. Attendance was up, breaking records. Along comes Iraq and my opposition to it, and things began to go a bit awry. In 2006, I left that big church with my tail between my legs, thinking I was going to sell cars for the summer and then go to law school. Well, a couple months later, I experienced a recall, not the automotive kind. And the grace of God showed up again and recalled me to the ministry. In 2006, and that's where I specialized in large, conflicted congregations, I... I I knew the territory. I figured if I could create it, I might have some insight into solving it. (laughs) In 2006, I began serving as an interim, uh, rapidly specializing in highly conflicted congregations, and I went back to Arizona, back home, to pastor the most screwed-up, lawyered-up congregation known to humanity. But Arizona is the home of my heart. I never planned to leave. John Dorhire was conference minister with a thorn in his flesh, the church that he wanted me to see to. When I was approaching the end of my time with my Arizona congregation, John had become our United Church of Christ general minister. And he said, hey, I need you in Texas. Now, it includes Louisiana, but apparently problems were in Texas. (laughs) Surprise. Life can be hard. Pastoring can be a crappy job. As one noted pastor used to say, unless you're called to it. I know and I believe that the greatest of God brought us together and brought me to the South Central Conference. A broken down old war horse with one last stand to make. But I know... A life lived in grace, empowered through grace. I know it is true. And I know that I'm recovering from the darker, deeper, more difficult side of life when I envision the tapestry of my life across the wall. And I cannot imagine it having been any different. We were not going to have any more children after Jason. We had one more child. Uh... He's delightful. He is a good man. And if it hadn't for Jason's passing, there would be no Joseph. Uh, That's not my kind of choice to make. But I can tell you, when I look at the tapestry of my life on the wall, I cannot imagine it having been any different. And here's what I want you to hear. If I could correct the mistakes I made, and there were more than a few, I would do that. But when I look at the tapestry of my life, I would do every single bit of it again. Because it was grace-laden with the hand of God in it. Whether the loss, whether the divorce, whether the pain, no matter what, I count my life as having been powered by grace, and I am thankful for it. The grace of God. The journey since 1970 has been wonderful, horrible, meaningful. But in the end, James Fowler notwithstanding, unimaginable in 1970. It has been, I believe, a life lived not by my power, but by the power of grace.
So my message to you is this. God will carry us through. Not because we're going to do it perfectly, but because we make the effort. And God is smiling. Amen.